We have been looking at transformation this year, and let's start there. What verse are we going to look at? Romans. Yes, 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 yes. That's awesome. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Transformation, metamorphosis, becoming more and more like Jesus from the inside out for the rest of our lives. It's process. It's process. And one of the challenges in our culture with this word process is we don't like process. We're used to instant, instant coffee, right? Get the little Keurig. You don't have to worry about filters. You just put that little cup in there and I push eight and start. And 30 seconds later, I got an eight ounce cup of coffee, right? Or microwave, popcorn for those popcorn lovers out there, right? Or, right? We like it instant, 30 seconds, a minute, right? And, and right? We like instant reaction from our phones. Right? Depending on what computer brand you like, we get torqued at 30 seconds of boot up time. This is so slow! Well, how long did it take? It's 30 seconds! Right? Anyone? Right? And before we were so, oh yeah, I got a computer. For those of you back in the 80s, the Apple with the green screen and the green light, this is awesome! Right? And all this boot up times and instant and Chromebooks, right? And so we're like this, we're like this, we're like this, and now 30 seconds to a minute. Whoo, that's slow. So you come here and for a year, we talk about transformation lasting the rest of your life. You're like, oh, really? Isn't there just like some verses you can give me? You know, take two verses. Here, here's two verses. Pastor, I need two verses. I got this issue. I mean, we've all probably been guilty of that, right? Hey, I got this issue. Pastor, can you give me a verse on this issue? Now, there's nothing wrong with a verse on an issue unless you think that that verse is going to instantaneously, without you doing something with the verse. The, 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 let, me, let me clue you in. If you ask me for a verse and I give you a verse, the next step is what are you going to do with that verse? Okay, it's not this necessarily an instantaneous microwave you know, pop me in and I want to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. How many of you know that transformation is slow? How many of you know it's one step forward and two steps back sometimes, right? It's, it, it's not this necessarily. It's this, 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 right? Right? So it's a process and it, it takes time. And, and sometimes part of that process is circumstances coming around, being allowed by the Lord and His sovereignty, where we are challenged, caught off guard. I, I once read a long time ago uh, uh, a wonderful book called Your Reactions Are Showing. Your Reactions Are Showing. Because, you know, as believers, we can kind of get geared up and we see things coming and we know the verse and we know how to handle this and we know what to say and we know how to dress, right? You come to church and you're prepared, except for when something goes wrong. Anyone ever have a situation, maybe this week, where something caught you off guard and you just reacted verbally? In your mind, uh, man, yeah. <laughs> I love that, right? <laughs> See, sometimes people bust themselves here. <laughs> other times they bust other people because they're like, he's talking to you. He's talking, I get to see it all. It's like, great. Reactions. 
are opportunities for transformation. Because in those moments, we're caught off guard. And we don't have just the right thing to say. And we just don't have the right image to put on. And, and we're like, whoa, 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 what happened? Right? And we react. And sometimes when we react, after the reaction, you ever have one of those reactions? You're like, whoa, where did that come from? You ever have one of those moments? You're like, whoa, I thought I was past that. Or you're with someone and you have a reaction and they're like, whoa, where did that come from? At church, you're not like that. <laughs> I love that. Right? Classic. Right? Classic. Sometimes the Lord allows situations in our life where we're caught off guard. And the situation is unique. I love the fact that the Lord knows us so well that a situation that may occur in my life and catch me off guard and humble me and go, oh man, I can't believe that, will be completely different than yours. Or yours. Or yours. And He knows that. And, and I was thinking of that in light of uh, the Advent uh, theme today of peace. Peace. And how, how do we react to certain trials, situations, circumstances that aren't so pleasing, that may be negative, hostile, all kinds of stuff, right? Unpleasant. How do you react to that? How do you react to that? Right, I remember uh, there was a season where we had just gotten married in, in San Diego and I did a customer service for Geico. Right? And so they train you, you learn insurance and you learn all the states out on the West Coast and, and a little bit of the East Coast, Right? And and then they hook you up to one of these, looks just like this flashback, and you're tethered in this little booth, and you got your computer, and you got your manuals, and you just sit there all day. You hear this little boop, and then you go into the thank you for calling Geico. This is uh, how can I help you, right? So, and you never know who's going to be on the other side. Happy, not so happy. Right? Angry. And, and, and you have to really self-regulate your reactions, right? Because you're customer service oriented and wherever they are, you're trained and your job is to not, is to kind of maintain customer service, right? And so you're kind of prepped. Okay, Lord, okay, I get this. It's going to be so I'm prepped. But sometimes life isn't so prepped. What happens to your peace? What happens to your peace? When you weren't ready for it. Where does your focus go? And, and my desire is for us to really understand biblical peace. Because many of us, it's like hope. Last Sunday, right, we saw that hope in the world's definition primarily revolves around uncertain desire. Like, I hope I win the lottery. Or I hope it doesn't rain. Right? This sort of uncertainty, this sort of wishful thinking. And we saw, no, biblically, hope is confidence. Hope is confident expectation. So as Christians, when we say we have hope, it means we are confident. Amen? Right? We learned that. Same with peace. When I say the word peace to you, how do you define that? Because remember transformation. Look in Romans 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The importance of the renewing of our minds, right? So in your mind, what's your definition of peace? 
as you sit here, as you woke up this morning. Right? We use the phrase, ah, oh, I just wish I had peace and quiet. Right? And, well, how do you define peace? Because I'm, I'm guessing everyone here wants a measure of peace. Right? And, and, and typically, okay, in a general sense, the world tends to define peace focusing on externals. The absence of. Right? I put it in your notes, all right? It's kind of like a man-centered uh, uh, focus on, on the absence of conflict, of strife, of hostility. So peace, in your definition, might just be the absence of conflict. The absence of something unwanted, hostility, strife, conflict, right? So what, what, how do you find peace then? How do you find peace if you're focused on externals? If your definition of peace is primarily external and the avoidance or the negation of negativity, there's some consequences to that. And I put it in your notes, some things that came to my mind. If you're focusing on an external man-centered circumstantial peace, you can become real controlling. You can become real controlling because you're trying to control circumstances that are negative. Avoid the negative at all costs. Keep it all nice and tidy and in the box. And so I have peace. You can be real controlling. You might just become real compliant. If, the, if, the, if your definition of peace is the absence of strife and conflict and, and you know negativity, what can you become? Just compliant. Why? Because you don't want to make waves. You don't want to make waves. You don't want to upset the status quo. You don't want to turn the ship upside down. So in your sort of definition of peace, trying to keep all the negativity away, you know what can happen? You can just go into the compliant mode. You know, taking peacemaking to an extreme. I'm just overly compliant now. Right? Conflict. Well, if you, if you are controlling everything to, for the sake of peace, anybody or anything... That is now a threat to your peace. Woe to them. Right? You're trying to control your kingdom and keep the external positive in and all the external negative out. Any threat. Whoa. Whoa. And they don't even know what they did. Because they don't know that you're trying to control everything for the sake of your peace. And they just come along. Hey, hey, hey. What? What are you doing? Right? So you can stir up conflict. Isn't it crazy? You create, you can create more conflict in your life by trying to find peace. By trying to control peace, you can create more conflict between you and others. Right? And then confusion. If peace is the absence of all negative circumstances, all hostility, strife, conflict, right? You can just end up straight up confused. And what I mean by this is this. Okay. Whew. Right now, circumstantially, things are pretty good. Why am I such a wreck inside? Why can't I sleep? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so stressful? Why is my blood pressure up? Why am I short with my kids and my spouse? Why, why am I eating out right? And all of a sudden, you're confused. Because circumstantially, externally, you, it looks like there should be peace, but internally... You are just twisted and tied up, and you're, that can lead to some confusion. 
You're like, I don't get this. Right? And, and so we want to look at biblical peace. Now, there is an element in the Bible that peace is the absence of warfare and conflict among nations, individuals, groups. Okay, that, that's, a, that's an element of it. Right? But that's not near what biblical peace is about. And in fact, I'll tell you this. Biblical peace is more than just a truth. See, when you say when we, with that verse, peace with God, sometimes we think, oh, that's cool. I got peace with God. That means we have a truce. Ceasefire. Is that what it is? Is peace with God a truce? Because some of us might think it is. And you don't want to do anything and you live in fear and anxiety of breaking the truce. Lest the hostility begin again. Peace with God is more than just the truce, guys. It's a relationship. Everything's good. Peace with God is you in your heart being able to say, Lord, are we good? And you know what the Lord says? We're good. We're good. Isn't that awesome? In your heart of hearts, in the, in the most important relationship of your life, isn't it awesome to know that peace with God means, Lord, are we good? And you hear Him in the core of your being say, yeah, we're good. And he's smiling. He's smiling. You ever have a conflict with someone and you kind of know you were at fault and you blew it and you went and said things and did things you shouldn't and you're kind of feeling real sheepish and you apologize and you ask for forgiveness and you kind of like saunter over. Okay, I'll use my wife. (laughs) And you kind of saunter over. Kind of like, are we good? <laughs> and it's not what comes out of her mouth. It's the first facial expression that you're, you don't know if you should duck. <laughs> or you, you know? Right? Sometimes when, when, when relationally things, things happen, as they all do, this way and this way, and you confess and you repent, you want to come back to the person and you want to say, hey, are we still good? And you get to, yeah, we're good. And at the core of your being, out of that goodness, out of the the sense of security that that brings, the healing can happen. There's restoration. Because I know in my heart that there's peace again. There's peace. We're good. We're good. Now what happens if you don't know that? What happens if you're not sure this morning? Lord, are we good? That has consequences. That'll play out into every area of your life. Right? If I were to ask you this morning, scale of 1 to 10, we call it the peace scale. How you doing? And now you know it's not based on circumstance. So don't go to your bank account. Don't go to your 401k. Don't go to your any of that. Your health even. How you doing on the peace, the biblical peace scale this morning? 1 to 10. 10 being like, we're good. 1 being, yeah, man, I don't know. 5 being, oh, you know. Where are you this morning on the biblical peace scale? And that may have to do with 
the renewing of your mind in terms of you're just the definition of peace that you brought in. And you go, well, I don't know what my definition of peace is. Well, go back this week and see how you reacted to things when they didn't go your way. Maybe this, this morning, you got some circumstances facing you when you leave here. How's your peace meter right now regarding those? See, you're peaceful here in this environment. Loving, worshipful, secure. This is good. Nothing wrong with this. What's going to happen to your peace when I say amen? Because right now you're, uh, you're idling. It's good. I'm in church. And that's important. That's why we gather. It's, I'm not downplaying that. I'm not, it's important. That's why I come. Okay? I'm reminded. But then when we say amen and we break the huddle and the circumstances change and your environment changes, should your peace change? Does it? And part of that change might just be because we don't really understand biblical peace. Much of our peace, honestly, is still circumstance-driven. Much of our peace is still defined primarily as the absence of, the negation of, the avoidance of. Okay, so let's look at a story. Let's turn to Mark. Mark 4. Mark 4. Matthew, Mark. Mark 4.35. This particular episode occurs in all three Gospels. Mark 4.35 starts in Matthew 8.23 and in Luke 8.22. Okay? Just for a reference, if you ever wanted to look at all three versions, because I love the Scriptures, because when stories are written, you're like, why is the wording different? Because the people that wrote it are different, and they're human, and they're giving their perspective, their observation of what happened. Okay? So Mark 4.35, look at what happens here. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, that's Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Okay, so they're on the northwest side, the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. If you've been to Israel, Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long, about 7 miles wide, about 650 feet deep. Okay, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by hills and mountains. Some of them go up to 1,500 feet. Okay, so... Sea of Galilee, 13 miles wide, or long, 7 miles wide, surrounded by hills. What can happen in this region is wind. The winds come sweeping down off the hills, okay? And if they're violent enough, they can create waves on the Sea of Galilee of the 15 to 20 feet, okay? Also, what can happen is the cold air from the mountain can come down, and the hot air from the lower plateau regions come up, and the hot air and the cold air, they collide, Right over the water creates huge waves, creates a storm, a big storm. Okay? So that's the setting. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, a storm, came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care 
if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Right? So Jesus is there, and he says, Hey, boys, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The guys who got into the boat, fishermen who lived on the Sea of Galilee. Fishermen, hardcore, understood the ocean, the, the sea, understood the wind and all this. So these are like dudes that were like, okay, let's go. No big deal. No big deal. Only famous last words, famous last thoughts. No big deal. Let's go, Jesus. Right? They're going across. Storm comes up. They freak out. They freak out, right? It says here, verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Reaction. Whoops, did we just say that? Did we just accuse Jesus of that? Right? Psalm 10.1 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Anyone ever think that? Where are you? Where are you? See, and I love this because this was a unique storm for the fishermen. Because they had been with Jesus about a year, so they had seen him do miracles. They, They were familiar with things that they had seen and said, whoa, that's awesome. That's a good one. That was a good one, huh? Did you see that? He healed that person. Good one, Jesus. Good for them. That's a good one, Jesus. So they had had been walking with him. They had observed things. They probably like, whoa, Jesus is the man. Right? Very, hey, that's good for them. And then suddenly Jesus is like, watch this. I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to catch these guys off guard. These fishermen who are so confident that they're good to go on the water. I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them right where they live, Scotty. And he does that to us sometimes. Very lovingly. We applaud. That's good, Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Diana, that was a good message for you, wasn't it? Woo-hoo! Right? Ernie, God's really working in your life, huh? Seeing you trust. Wes, woo! Yes, Wes, good. Jesus, Jesus, transformation. Thumbs up, Wes. Thumbs up. Yeah, that's good. Good for all of you. And you're driving home. In your unique boat. And the world that you thought you were real confident in and had wired because you grew up in it and that's your career and you're solid at it. Suddenly that world gets rattled. Suddenly that world gets rattled and it gets real, real quick. And suddenly... You're confronted with, do I believe this? Do I really believe this for me? These are fishermen who I'm sure had been in storms before. They go to Jesus who is sleeping. I love that. And they, hey, don't you care? Not just a statement. That was pretty much, I mean, not just a question. That was a statement. 
You don't care. You don't care. Where are you? Hello. I was there Sunday morning. Where are you now? Right? In this unique situation for this unique group of disciples, Jesus hits them where it really counts. Where they thought they had it all together. And He challenges them at the faith level and the trust level and the peace level. Because what does He ask? Not just He doesn't ask just address their faith. He addresses their fear. He addresses, why are you so afraid? Read the versions in Matthew and Luke. Why are you so afraid? Right? He's talking about the peace. Peace. And if we're not careful, if we have the wrong definition of peace, when our worlds get flipped upside down, our focus of where it really was gets exposed. Gets exposed. And when, when the storms come, if we weren't really focused on Jesus and a relationship with Him as our peace, what happens when everything we've been holding on to is no longer there? And we feel like we're sliding down this thing and there's nothing left to climb on, nothing left to hold, no handholds, nothing. We're just sliding, sliding, sliding. And sometimes we're busted and we say, Lord, okay, I guess the source of my peace really wasn't a relationship with you. I guess I was still hanging on to everything being right and the amount of money I have in my retirement account and my good health and that people like me and that this and this and this and when all that gets stripped away and you you get exposed by a reaction that comes out of you what are you going to do then when god lovingly says what's your source of peace where are you finding your peace this morning where are you finding your peace this morning Right? And that's, that, it's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful, challenging question because, you know, you look at the world, right? How many of you read the news and just feel worse? Just feel like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You get all riled up inside just by reading whatever's online or the news or watching TV. Like, oh, are you kidding me? And then you look at your, your health or you look at your finances or you look at relationships. You're like, are you kidding me? I just want peace. Can someone just give me peace? Right? Turn to John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus is coming very near to the end of his ministry on earth, so he talks with his disciples and he says something very interesting. John fourteen, let's go twenty twenty five, start in verse twenty five. John 14:25. Jesus is about to leave. He's nearing the end of his ministry. He's about to be crucified, tortured, horrifically killed. And this is what he says, kind of parting words to his disciples. John 14:25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Wow. If you interpret that only as peace is the absence of conflict, strife, you, you missed it. Because in John 16.33, what does Jesus say? In this world you will have trouble. Tribulations. Trial. John 16.33, Jesus himself says, hey, you know what? In this world, yeah, the storms are going to come. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. Circumstances will not always line up. And John 16.33 says, hey, but be courageous. Be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. You have peace in me. You have peace in me. So look what he says in 14.27. Peace I leave with you. Kind of interesting, huh? Jesus is about to leave earth, horrifically crucified, and he says, you know what? You got the Holy Spirit, and I'm giving you peace. Out of all things that Jesus would leave. His what? Peace. He leaves his peace. And then he says, I do. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, if you were going to go to the worldly council and say, hey, I need some peace in my mind. What might the world encourage you to do? Take a vacation. Right? Get away. You need a retreat. You need me time. Okay? Nothing wrong with any of that unless it's the sole basis of trying to find peace. That's as the world gives. Jesus says, I don't give it as the world gives. I, I love this. It says, peace. And then he says, keep going. Peace, I live with you. What's the next word? Whoa, 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 whoa. Not just generic peace. Jesus says, what? Jesus says, what? My peace. Whose peace did Jesus leave for us? His. So the question is, If you want peace in your life, are you trying to do it all by yourself and get it all under control and trying to manipulate your whole kingdom? Or are you just saying, Jesus, I want your peace. Jesus, I give up trying to be in the driver's seat. I want your peace. Right? And we know from Galatians 5.22 that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's not even man-made. It's not something you and I create. If you want the peace he's talking about, the first thing you have to settle is you are not going to do it yourself. Amen? It is not dependent on your thinking, your efforts, your control. Peace, biblical peace, is a fruit of the Spirit. What does that mean? It is a result of you being yielded to the control of the Spirit in your life. See, my guess is when you are caught off guard and you react, the flesh is in control. That reaction, that word you said, that thought you, you think and, and how your attitude and everything like that, it pretty much boils down to was that the flesh or the Spirit? Was it the flesh or the spirit? And if you're not disciplining yourself to be filled, which means to be controlled in the spirit in all things, yeah, when the unexpected things happen, 
You're going to react in the flesh. You're just going to react in the flesh. But if you're diligent to walk in the Spirit when things are good, when things aren't so good, your reaction is going to be Spirit-led. Spirit-led. So ask yourself, rewind the tape this week. When you were caught off guard, when you reacted, was that the flesh or the Spirit? When something threatened your peace, when you accuse God of not being there. Where are you? Don't you care? Was that the flesh? Or the spirit? See, for some of us, the, the transformation for peace before you leave here is to confess, just to agree. Lord, peace in my life is pretty much flesh-driven. I try to create peace and I try to maintain peace. If you want biblical peace, you've got to kind of start there, guys. You've got to start with that confession, that admission. Lord, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You can appropriate that. If you're a believer in Jesus, you can appropriate that. That's your peace. To take, to enjoy, to, here's the word, experience. Not just a sense to. You can experience that. It's amazing. It is amazing that Jesus is about to leave planet Earth and He says of all, of all things, Hey, disciples, I leave you my peace. I leave you my peace. And look in your notes there. I put some definitions just to kind of Give you something to think about. In the New Testament, there's a word for peace there, right? Irene, that's how you pronounce it, Irene. To join or bind together that which has been separated. Kind of the word picture is have it all together. A sense of inner rest, well-being, and harmony. The root of this word peace, the one he's using in John 14, 27, is where we get the word serene. But it's not based on circumstance. It's based on relationships. That New Testament word, really is, is, is intertwined with a very familiar word from the Old Testament, shalom. Shalom is a greeting. It's also used to say goodbye, right? But look at what shalom. Shalom comes the Hebrew word meaning complete, wholeness, completeness, soundness, success, well-being, restored relationship, harmony, security, fulfillment, goodness. Woo! Much more than trying to avoid all the bad stuff, Amen. What is peace biblically? It is rooted in your sense, your security, your confidence that because of Jesus, you are whole. There is a wholeness to you. There is a soundness to you. There is a completeness to who you are in Christ. And out of that wholeness, guys, then you face the circumstances out of your identity, out of the wellness, all of those definitions, that's peace. And where does it begin? With Him. With Him. Romans 5.1, right? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace. We are made whole. We're made whole. See, if you're a believer, here's what I want to encourage you to do at this very second. If you're a believer on Jesus, based on Romans 5.1 right now, you are in harmony, you're a whole, you are complete. 
Would you let your gut go a little bit? Would you relax now? Because even as believers, we carry this innate tension all the time. When was the last time you just enjoyed the truth that you are at peace with God? You don't have to prove anything. Stop trying to prove your worth to God. Stop trying to earn. Stop trying to show God that, yeah, Jesus really should have died for me. Stop! Stop! Stop that! Stop that! Receive that you are at peace with God right now. You are whole. You are complete. Game over. He's on your side. And then there's the peace of God. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. See, that peace of God comes out of peace with God. Amen? See, if you are whole, if you are complete, if you are sound in your relationship with God, when you go out from here, and the world and the storms flip and they come. You know what? You deal with it out of that wholeness and that soundness and that completeness and the power of the Spirit. A lot of times we leave church and right outside the door, I'm telling you right now, right outside that door and right outside that door and maybe for some of you across the street, it's waiting. Life is waiting. Relationships are waiting. The storms are waiting. The question is, are you going to leave here with this settled peace with God and then enjoy through the Spirit the peace of God? No matter the circumstance. Amen? That is what the world is going to go I don't get you, Christians. If I were you, I'd be going cray-cray. And yet you have a peace about you. Yeah, that's the testimony. There's the testimony, guys. In a world, in a nation that is in so much turmoil and anxiety and fear and anger and angst, for believers to leave church at peace with God and to go out in the world and demonstrate the peace of God, that is going to draw them to Jesus. Amen? That's the testimony. question is, is that your peace? Is that your peace? Do you have peace with God this morning? Are you experiencing, is it, are you appropriating the peace of God? Or are you still trying to Create the peace in your life in the flesh. This is choice. I put at the end, look at that. I put biblical peace is what? It's a choice. It's really just a choice. Who are you focusing on? Who are you relying on? Who are you focusing on? Who are you relying on for your peace? For your peace. Let's turn to Isaiah 26.3. Love this verse, Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. 
You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. On your notes, if you flip it over, look at the ESV version. You keep him in perfect peace whose what? Mind is stayed on you. I love that. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. You want perfect peace? Ask yourself, where's your mind? What is your mind stayed on? That's awesome. I love that verse. One of my favorite life verses. When things happen and I start to get anxious and I start to get fearful and I start to get angry and I start to get confused, the Lord's like, where's your mind stayed on right now, Richie? This verse. I remember I was thinking of New King James or King James. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Shalom. Whose mind is stayed on thee. It's a choice. It's a choice, right? And, and then I love this. You don't have to turn there. Look at this. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace, great shalom have they who what? Love your law. And nothing can make them stumble. You want peace? Focus on the Lord and His law. His word. Shalom. Peace. Peace with God. And the peace of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank You. Thank you for this morning that we can have peace. Jesus, you say in John 14, 27, right before you were going to leave this planet, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And so this morning we have a time of reflection during communion about peace. Lord, is our mind been stayed on you? Lord, do we have peace with you? Lord, do we try to manipulate and control circumstances to create an external peace? Or are we dependent and trusting the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of peace that comes only from you? And so as we take this communion, Jesus We remember you. We spend a time of reflection thanking you. But also a time of reflection for what faces us in our own life as we prepare to leave here. That we can leave in peace. If you're here this morning and you don't know if you have peace with God, the Bible says we are justified. We have peace with God through faith in Jesus. So if you don't know, but you want to know before you leave here that you have peace with God, the Bible says, put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Receive Him as Savior and Lord. Put your faith in Jesus. And Romans 5.1 says, you are justified by faith. And if you are here this morning, and you're a believer, and this whole idea of peace is a challenge then maybe this time of communion is also a time of confession. That you've not been appropriating the peace of God. That you've not been yielded to the Spirit. And this area of peace, as much as you've desired it, has really been a work of the flesh. So if necessary, just confess that. Use this time to confess where you're at with this issue of peace, biblical peace, before the the Lord this morning in this time of communion.
receive His forgiveness, receive His grace, and receive Him reminding you, you're my child. And you know what? We're good. We're good. So let's distribute the communion now. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you did for us, Calvary. And we hold these cups as symbols, reminders of you, your love, your grace. And this morning is reminders of your peace. Thank you that through faith in you, Jesus, we do have peace, God. And that out of that relationship with God, that right relationship with God, we can experience the peace of God 24-7. Not that our life is perfect, not that we walk around with plastic smiles on our face, 
But deep in our core, in our heart, we have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding because it comes from the Holy Spirit. So we love you. We take this communion now, Jesus, in remembrance of you. Amen. So word of encouragement. The peace of God does not mean that you are live in isolation. If you look to your left and your right, God often will minister His peace to you through brothers and sisters in the church. The peace of God doesn't mean I have to have it all together and I, I can't share my struggles. No, no. The peace of God comes as you share your life with brothers and sisters who genuinely care about you. And see, in a, few, in a, in a couple hours, we're going to go to the continuing care. And you know what we're gonna, our message is? Hey, you can have the peace of God over there. A lot of people who go there, they struggle with not wanting to be there. And the heart and the joy of going there is say, you can have the peace of God here. You can have the peace of God here. That's our heart. That's why we go. It's to bring the love and the joy and the peace of God there in their circumstances that they can't change. So what did the Apostle Paul say? I have learned in all things to be content. And where did he write that from? A Roman jail. Peace with God. Peace of God that transcends all understanding. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing a wonderful song called Cornerstone. Sing it as a declaration that the source of peace is Jesus Christ.